My name's Angelo and welcome to We Want Picks. I'm going to walk through the entire UFC Kansas City fight card, giving you my picks, my predictions, and my bets. Before we talk about UFC Kansas City, let's talk about UFC 287. Really fun card and I, like by the skin of my teeth, squeaked out a tiny touch of profit. This is just me. I'm talking about just me right here. My straight up bets did miss, but the safety parlay pulled me up from the dead like Jesus on Easter Sunday. And that safety parlay has been saving us for a while. I don't want to say saving us because there's plenty of weeks where we're up and the safety parlay hits, but it certainly has been doing well in 2023. It is up 6.58 units if you bet every single safety parlay. And actually, I know a lot of you only bet the safety parlay. So last night, you were able to squeak out some money with that. And overall, in 2023, it has been doing really well. That is only available to premium members, which is only $10 a month. So sign up, unlock that safety parlay for every event every single week. And premium has a new look and feel. We're separating things out. I have my own dedicated page with all of my content. It's going to be my picks with my bets, my safety parlay, my round line leans, my confidence picks for every single fight, and even the safety parlay tracker. Jacob has his own page with his specific pits, bets, his specific confidence for every single fight, his lock of the week tracker, and all of that. And the reason we're doing this is it opens the door for other analysts to come on board, and we're going to be rolling out a new analyst this week who will be putting his bets, his picks for Bellator, PFL, UFC, and everything else up there. And that is available to all premium members. We're not adjusting the price. We're adding even more content, even more analysts with even more insight. We're keeping it at that $10. So go to weonpicks.com, click become a member. And we still have all of the tools available to you as well. It's not just copy-paste picks and bets. We have tools, one of which is the line movement tracker. This identifies the opening odds for every single fight, the current odds that day for those fights, and then what that movement looks like and the implied probability for UFC 287. We had a favorite in Chris Curtis flip to a full underdog. And he lost. We have the exact same movement for Tanner Bozer on this card. So let's keep an eye on it. You can unlock this as well as the incredible detailed metrics and analytics that we provide to you as well at weonpicks.com. It's only $10 a month. Again, it's not just copy-paste bets. There's also tools, information. You can do your own research, get your own insight, make your own decisions, and use our stuff as a backdrop. Weonpicks.com. Unlock all of it for only $10 a month. And if you want 50 bucks, I'll send you 50 bucks. I will send you $50. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. You sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and I send you 50 bucks. It's just literally that simple. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. They're going to pay me as a thank you, and then I'm going to pay you as a thank you. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Let's go ahead and break down this card. UFC Kansas City, interesting card, great Main event, solid co-main event, decent card all around. And opening up this card, we have Jocelyn Edwards taking on Lucy Pudilova. And Jocelyn Edwards is a good kickboxer. She uses range really well. She's got a nice variety of strikes, but she does prefer to kick. And in fact, if we go back two fights, that fight with Ramona Pascal, more than half of the total strikes that she threw were kicks. And if you can get inside and, and make it a dirty fight, then you could have some success against Edwards. But Getting inside of her range is not the easiest thing to do. She's on a nice two-fight win streak, but the most recent win was a short-notice decision over Ji Yoon Kim, which is even more impressive. 
And she's taking on Lucy Padalova. Lucy Padalova is a powerful striker who likes to circle while throwing heavy one-twos. And she doesn't have the most volume, but she does stay busy enough, and she throws with intent. Recently, she started to work takedowns into her fights, which has been pretty successful for her. And if we go look at that win over Yu Wanan, we'll see that there. She's had eight fights in the UFC, but she was on a four-fight losing skid in 2020, and then she's put together six wins in her last seven fights, and now she's sort of looking to redeem herself. Lucy is the slight favorite in this fight, and this is a theme on this card. There are a lot of live underdogs, and Jocelyn Edwards is one of them. I'm liking her here for the pick. Her range management should keep Lucy's power away. Her 63% takedown defense, while not amazing, should ward off any of Lucy's half-ass attempts. And I don't expect fireworks here. I actually think it's going to be a pretty boring fight. But I think Jocelyn is going to win with volume, distance control. Jocelyn's the pick. I'm like super confident in her. I'm probably not going to throw her in a parlay. But the over round line could definitely go into a parlay. I think it's minus 300, which sounds atrocious. But over two and a half is basically a guarantee for this fight. And I do think Jocelyn Edwards is going to get the win. Then we have Gaston Bolanos taking on Aaron Phillips. And Aaron Phillips is a striker, and he's had an interesting MMA career. He's been fighting as a professional since 2011 with 12 wins and 7 stoppages, but he cannot seem to get that UFC win under his belt. He's had three fights in the UFC since 2014 with two decision losses and most recently a submission loss to Jack Shore. Skill-wise, he is tough. He's very, very tough. He's going to continue to come forward. His takedown defense probably needs some work, but even when he is taken down, he scrambles hard. He works his way back to his feet. He does have power in his hands, and he needs to keep his fight standing to win. Just really a gritty, backyard-tough kind of guy. And he's taking on Gaston Bolanos, who's a solid striker with a solid Muay Thai background. He has good power, a willingness to engage. His claim to fame in Muay Thai and even uh, some of his... MMA fights have been a spinning back elbow. He is just putting people out cold with spinning back elbows on more than one occasion. He does have some grappling holes that can be exploited, but you're going to need to get through his guard and his pocket work before you can even attempt to work those takedowns. And this is a weird fight because Gaston's coming off a seven-fight stint in Bellator with two losses in his last three fights. So that's an odd signing for the UFC. And Aaron's coming back after multiple years away, almost three, and he has three losses in the UFC, and this is probably set up to showcase Gaston, because he's a solid kickboxer, and he's, you know, a fight against somebody like Aaron Phillips, who's going to stand with him, could end uh, in a highlight reel knockout, so the pick's going to be Gaston for sure, but probably no money line bet for me because of the variables, guy's lost two out of his last three, he's coming over from Bellator, Aaron Phillips hasn't fought in years, who the hell knows what that's going to look like, neither guy has great grappling, so much going on here, the, the bet potentially is going to be under two and a half. There's probably a finish here. A guy who hasn't fought in three years. A guy who has many finishes on his record. This, in all likelihood, does not go the distance. That's probably a safe bet here. I haven't done that just yet. I'm waiting for the does not go the distance prop line. And I'm going to compare that to under two and a half. And usually between those two, I'll just pick which one will get me better odds. Obviously, under two and a half is a little safer. So if the odds are close enough, I go that direction. But if you're going to get much better odds on does not go the distance, I'll always go that way. If you want to make sure that you get alerts to your phone the second we place our bets, make sure you link the Discord to your premium account. Premium membership is only $10 a month. You can then link our Discord to that account 
which will unlock certain channels and alerts. The Discord is free. You should join that anyway. But the premium channels are linked to the premium membership, and you're going to get alerts on your phone anytime we do anything, drop bets, picks, and all of that, so you can get the line without having to be on the internet looking for it constantly. Then we have Brunna Brasile taking on Denise Gomes. And Brunna Brasile is a hot prospect with fantastic striking and incredible power. She's very creative on her feet with everything from Superman punches to spinning back kicks. She marches forward throwing her whole arsenal and she's really just looking for a finish. She has takedowns as well, but they aren't great. They're very BJJ-esque takedowns, meaning she shoots by like bending over at the waist and then she finishes with a trip, like she'll just like sort of run forward and trip you instead of like actually hitting a double and trying to pick it up. Her BJJ though is solid. Her striking is where she shines overall. Denise Gomes is a tough striker who can grapple as well. She can be hittable, but she's really, really tough and never out of a fight. She's gonna continue to come forward, bite down and bomb away. It takes her a few minutes to get going, but once she's dialed in, she picks up the pace and has no problem taking one to give one. She works in kicks well and can be dangerous on the ground. She's coming off that loss to Loma Lugbunmi, where she was taken down four times, but she did manage to get a couple of sweeps and five minutes of her own control time. And this is going to be a fun fight between two solid strikers that can push a pace. I see Brunna marching forward, throwing and spinning while Denise is trying to counter with her wide power. Brunna is going to be the better striker overall and definitely the more creative striker where Denise is going to likely have more just straight up raw power. I'm going Brunner for the pick here, but this would not be the first time we're going to see a UFC debut freeze up in the moment. We just freaking saw it at UFC 287 with Jacqueline Amorim. This feels similar. No bet here. We're just going to watch. Brunner's going to be the pick. She's going to be the better fighter, but we've seen that happen before. We got Lando Venata taking on Daniel Zellhuber. Lando Venata's a flashy striker. He's got crazy kicks. Wild spinning attacks. He comes out fast and he's absolutely not a slow starter. His takedown defense is solid at 68%. And we have seen him work in his own offensive takedowns if the striking just isn't going his way. He's coming off that submission loss to Charles Jordan where he was caught in a guillotine pretty early. He's taking on Daniel Zellhuber, who's an impressive striker himself with a very aggressive and dynamic style. He has incredibly long limbs, which just gives him power, range, and leverage in grappling exchanges. And despite his long legs, he does have solid takedown defense, and he does a really good job sort of kneeing and striking his way out of those exchanges. If he's taken down, he's wrapping his opponents up. He's using that ridiculous length to work submissions or at least threaten them. He's coming off a loss to Trey Ogden where he did seem gun shy, but when he did actually let his hands go, it felt pretty clear that he was the better striker. This fight is dead even on that. It's minus 110 across the board between the both of them. And that makes sense because both guys are very dangerous. Both guys can fight at pace. I think Lando's the more just well-rounded fighter overall, but Zell Huber's more talented and he just sets us relentless striking pace when he's on. When he doesn't have the UFC jitters, he sets that pace. We just saw him not set that pace and that's what's a little concerning, but he's still going to be the pick here. I trust his 88% takedown defense. I trust his pre-UFC fights to be more indicative of who he actually is. I really hope he's just not nearly as gun-shy as he was in his UFC debut. This is going to be super close, really fast-paced, a really, really fun fight. But Zell Huber is going to be the pick. 
Then we have Pajeda Rodriguez taking on Jillian Robertson. Pajeda Rodriguez is a nasty striker with very real finishing ability. She plots forward and just lets her hands fly in what is basically a controlled brawl where she's calculated in what she's doing, but she's throwing wild, winging those punches, and she's putting her hips into everything trying to get that finish. She's got pretty good takedown defense at 77% and is defensively sound on the ground. She does have plenty of takedowns of her own as well. She has 11 takedowns in three UFC fights, but her issue is not actually the takedowns themselves because those are pretty good. It's her control. She has no control. The reason she has 11 takedowns in three fights is because people are standing up on her. She's taking on Jillian Robertson, who's well-rounded, but primarily a wrestler herself. She's not really had an easy road in the UFC. Her four most recent losses are against JJ Aldrich. Good. Miranda Maverick. Good. Tyler Santos. Very good. And Macy Barber. Sketchy. Jillian does average more than two takedowns per fight. And I think that's very important in this matchup because her striking is definitely not good enough to hang here. And she's coming off the UFC win over Maria Agapova, where she had three takedowns and a submission, but her takedowns were terrible. She got them, but they were terrible. And Jillian's a slight favorite here. I think a lot of that has to do with her grappling match on New Year's Eve with Rose Rama Yumis. And if you didn't watch that and, and you weren't aware of that, she had a prof professional grappling match against Rose Rama Yunus where she smoked her. Like, she made Rose look bad. But the reality is, that was grappling. This is an MMA fight. And while Jillian is a submission threat, her takedowns are not very good. They're terrible, in fact. Her striking doesn't do her any favors. I see Pajeda being able to defend the takedowns, win the striking exchanges, and potentially get her own takedowns. And I would prefer if she stayed on her feet the whole fight, but I see her winning nonetheless. I have a small quarter of a unit money line bet on Pajeda Rodriguez at plus 102. So a unit for me is 100 bucks. So only 25 bucks, but I'll give him 25. I'll take home 50. And uh, we'll see how that's going to go. I A uh, lot of underdogs on this card. A lot of underdogs that I like on this card. And then we have Ed Herman taking on Zach Cummings. Ed Herman, longtime MMA vet. He's got 40 fights, 20 years of pro experience, a win over Glover Teixeira all the way back in 2005. Style-wise, he's a good grappler. He's got sneaky submissions. He's definitely on the wrong side of 40, but he's still a durable guy who can make something happen. He's coming off that decision loss to Alonzo Menafield about a year and a half ago, but again, he was over 40 then too, but still stayed tough with one of the more dangerous guys in the division. He's taking on Zach Cummings, who's making his UFC return after about two years away. And it's not for family. It wasn't for a quick break. He had some very, very serious back injuries. He is a pot shot striker, though. He throws one thing at a time. He has some power, but it's not particularly fast, right? There's a little bit of power there, but you see it coming, and you could get out of the way if you were not 42 years old. But anyway, he doesn't string together combinations very well. If he sees blood in the water, he will throw big lefts to get you out of there. But if he's on the wrong side of some of those exchanges, he is going to start looking for takedowns. The odds on this fight are very interesting. Right now, Zach is sitting at almost a 3-1 to one favorite, and I get it. Ed Herman's 42 years old, but Zach is 38. It's not like we're talking about a 25-year-old versus a grandfather. 42-38. to 38. He's not particularly great anywhere. Ed's got that veteran savvy. He's tough as hell. He's got solid takedowns. Neither guy has fought in the last year. Neither one is young. Neither one's athletic. Neither one is super fast. 
And that just makes for a really sloppy fight that nobody should bet on, let alone at 3-1 to one odds on Zach Cummings. I see this being a slow, boring fight going all three rounds. The only bet to consider is not betting at all. Literally nothing. There's no spot on this fight. Just leave it alone. Zach's going to be the pick, but who cares? Who cares? Do nothing with this. Do nothing with this. Way too old, not very good, back was broken, hasn't fought in a few years, hasn't looked alive in five years. I mean, you should do nothing with this fight other than watch it. Maybe take a leak. Then we have a much more exciting fight. We have Brandon Royval taking on Matoush Nikolaou in what could be the absolute fight of the night. Brandon Royval is one of the most exciting guys to watch in the UFC. He's always looking for a finish, but he does have enough cardio to set a relentless pace for an entire fight. He's dangerous on his feet with diverse striking and great speed. He's also a solid grappler with tricky submissions and a willingness to chase them. He throws crazy, brings a ton of pressure, and he just keeps coming forward. Brandon Voival is a problem for a lot of people, but he is kill or be killed with all of his UFC fights ending by finish. All of them. He's coming off that win over Matt Schnell over a year ago and a few canceled fights, but he was dropped in that fight. He managed to survive and get the submission. So we haven't seen him in a year. He is coming off the win, but he was dropped in that win. He's had a few canceled fights, but he's back now, and he's taking on Matoush Nikolaou, who is a very clean striker and incredibly technical. He's also a very competent grappler as well with 10 takedowns in his seven UFC wins. When he gets you to the ground, he's going to stick with control and work towards a submission when it presents itself instead of just chasing something that isn't there. So he's methodical in his grappling, unlike Brandon Royval is just going to pounce on something. He's riding a six-fight win streak with his most recent being a second-round knockout over Matt Schnell. Poor Matt Schnell. Both these guys just finished him and now fighting each other. And this should be an incredible fight. Probably fight of the night. Two guys who set a great pace. Brandon is going to be the more dangerous of the two because he's willing to chase anything. Submission, knockout. He's just hunting for that finish. But Matalsh is going to be the much more methodical and technical fighter. And I think Nicolau is going to get this done. I think his technical striking should be able to get through the chaos that Brandon Royval creates. And I don't see Brandon being able to take Nicolau down. So this is going to end up being a kickboxing match where Matos should shine. I mentioned Brandon Royval. Yeah, he's coming off that win over Matt Schnell, but Matt Schnell dropped him bad. And Brandon was able to survive. Matos has all the power, all the technique. He should absolutely get it done. He's the pick, and I have a half a unit money line bet on him as well at minus 155. I think that line is going to move Keep an eye on the line movement tracker to identify some of those trends. Jan Kutulaba, Tanner Bozer, wild trend going on with that line. So keep an eye on those trends using just our tools. I'm here breaking down fights, giving you my picks, my bets. But if you don't want the bets, you want to make your own bets, use our tools, our insight. Use our 38-column detailed spreadsheet of analytics. Use the line movement tracker. All that stuff's available to you to use to come to your own conclusions. It's only $10 a month for everything. Wewantpicks.com. Click become a member. Then we got Bill Algeo, and he's taking on downtown TJ Brown. And TJ Brown is a high-paced fighter with solid striking and very good grappling with an average of almost four takedowns per fight. His takedown accuracy is just okay at 56%, but he has no problem backing out of a shot, resetting, then just dropping back down and taking multiple shots before he eventually gets that takedown. 
While TJ can be a busy offensive wrestler, his defensive wrestling kind of sucks. He has a 38% takedown defense. He's been taken down 13 times in seven fights. And he's coming off that win over Eric Silva, where he was taken down three times, but was able to snatch up a submission late for that win. He's taking on BJ, BJ, Bill Algeo, who is a fast-paced striker, kind of a karate style with his stance and his hand placement and how he moves. And because of that, he does have solid defense and a surprisingly high output of almost six significant strikes per minute. He does like to fight a dirty stand-up war if he can keep it there. He has okay takedowns, but a very low 38% accuracy on those and a 55% takedown defense. He has a BJJ black belt, great cardio, a good pace. He's a very durable guy. He's coming off that close loss to Andre Feely where he more than doubled his strikes, but he gave up a takedown in almost a full round of control. I was surprised looking at these odds to see that Bill Algeo was the favorite in this matchup. He's a high-paced striker, but outside of that, I think TJ is going to get the takedowns. He's going to push his own pace, and I think TJ is going to win a decision here. If Bill had better offensive takedowns, then it could be a different analysis because BJ's takedown defense sucks. But he doesn't. And Bill doesn't really use his wrestling that often. He's got the BJJ black belt, but it's mostly defensive. I see TJ getting the takedown, setting the pace, riding it out on top and getting the win. The pick's going to be TJ. Another quarter unit bet on an underdog. I got him at plus 140. Again, keep an eye on the line movement because maybe I'm crazy. And obviously, we don't get every single pick right. That's impossible. But I feel like there's a lot of live underdogs on this card. So that line movement tracker has been one of the most useful tools, not only for myself, but you guys, to just see those trends. It is very nice. When you log into your sports betting app, you're seeing the current odds. And even if you want to go to best fight odds, that shows you all the sports books odds. That's not going to show you every fighter's opening and current right next to each other to compare to see where they went. And then our line movement tracker, you can sort to see who are the biggest line movers on the card and work your parlays, do whatever you want. Anyway, TJ Brown, I think is going to get this done. Quarter of a unit on him. I got it at plus 140, which I'm pretty happy about. Then we have the incredibly handsome and youthful Clay Guida taking on Hafa Garcia. And Clay Guida is an absolute legend, even at 41 years old with 60 fights. He can still hang. He sets a relentless pace with both his hands and his wrestling he doesn't have the best submission defense, but he does have a great chin. He's definitely starting to slow down. But even, as I've said many times before, a slow 41-year-old Clay Glita is not that slow. He just outworked Scott Holtzman with four takedowns and five minutes of control time. And Scott Holtzman, yeah, he wasn't young either, but Scott Holtzman is a pretty good fighter. And Clay's taking on Hoffa Garcia, who's a good grappler. He's got heavy hands. He's an absolute dog when he fights. And even when he's completely gassed out, he's still going to push that pace. He's still going to chase a knockout. He's very dangerous. And while he's a grappler at his core with seven submission wins, he has legit power in his hands. And a lot of his submissions were set up with the power. The strikes set that up. He just attacked. He's coming off that dominant win over Mahashete, where he had six takedowns and six minutes of control time. I've done very well breaking down Hoffa Garcia in the past. I made a lot of money on him. And when it comes to his grappling and when he gets that going, things just really, really align for us. And I expect him to win this fight. I expect him to get the takedowns. I expect him to win the striking exchanges as well. But I'm not betting on him at minus 190. He does have cardio issues, or at least he has had them in the past. Clay Guidi is the kind of guy that's going to make you work harder than you want to work. 
And then all of a sudden, those cardio issues could expose themselves. Hoffa's going to be the pick. I'm, I'm not going to bet on him. I just don't like those odds. The reality is, even if he gets tired, he is super tough. He should be able to hang. Clay is significantly older. But I just don't like these odds. If I got a better break at minus 120, I'd be Hoffa. Minus 190, that's almost 2-1. to one. I'm just going to keep my money for now. Then we got... Pedro Munoz, fresh off the Sean O'Malley controversy, taking on Chris Gutierrez. Pedro Munoz is a very good striker. He sets a nonstop pace with incredible leg kicks as well. He has very dangerous BJJ, but he never looks to take it to the ground himself. He has a negative striking differential, which I've said this before. It's actually surprising when I see that because when you're watching him fight, it looks like he's the one landing two to one, when in reality, he's being outstruck, and that does surprise me. Every time I do his graphics here. But he only has one win in his last five fights. And four of those losses, though, are pretty solid. Dominic Cruz, Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, Aljamain Sterling. It's a who's who in the division. So you want to say, oh, he's one and four in his last five. But those are quality fours. Those fours are quality, right? These aren't bum losses. And he's coming off the no contest eye poke with Sean O'Malley, where if you remember... Pedro Munoz beat Sean O'Malley in that first round. Objectively won that first round. It felt like things were starting to change. He got poked in the eye. It felt like he took the easy way out. But he won that first round. So Pedro Munoz, good, busy, calculated striker. He's taking on Chris Gutierrez. He's a very good kickboxer. He's got great low kicks, good cage control. He's got good volume, solid cardio, and he keeps a nice pace. There's no secrets to what his game plan is. He's going to plot forward, blast legs, and then throw straight punches. He's got good takedown defense himself at 73%, which allows him to be loose on his feet. He's coming off back-to-back knockout wins, most recently over Frankie Edgar at Madison Square Garden. I like Chris a lot in this spot, right? He's fast. He's technical striker. He's going to have far more power, but Pedro's no slouch. I just mentioned all of his losses are to champs and former champs. Those losses are not bad losses at all. Pedro looked very good in that Sean O'Malley fight before that eye poke. And the pick's going to be Gutierrez here because I do feel like Pedro's sort of on his way out. I feel like he's just sort of phoning it in at this point. I mentioned that eye poke. It just felt like he didn't want to be there. And Chris is not at that point in his career, right? Chris is coming in hard with pressure and power, trying to get it done. The 2-1 to odds feel a little wide for Chris because Pedro is very good, but Chris Gutierrez is the pick. He is probably safe to bet on. Then we have the most interesting line movement on the card. We have Tanner Bozer taking on Jan Kutalaba. Tanner Bozer opened as a good-sized favorite. He is probably going to close as an underdog. He's sitting as an underdog right now. Jan Kutalaba flipped the opposite direction. He is now the good-sized favorite here. This feels exactly like what happened with Chris Curtis and Kelvin Gaslam. Chris Curtis opened as the favorite. The line full-blown flipped, closed as the underdog, and he lost. The opening odds were correct on that fight. And let's find out if they're going to be correct on this fight as well. Tanner Bozer is making his light heavyweight debut. He's got solid hands, very real power. He was athletic for a heavyweight, but he was on the small side, and he had trouble with the larger guys. He's coming off a loss to Rodrigo Nascimento, where he was taken down three times, but was clearly the better striker. He's fast, athletic, hits hard, but was bullied at heavyweight and is now coming down to light heavyweight. He's taking on Jan Kutalaba, who's sort of a chinless grappler, right? He happens to have really good power in his hands, He's happy to fight in a phone booth, but he has no chin whatsoever. He's a feast or famine guy, so he's going to chase a stoppage. 
And he's probably going to get stopped while doing it. He's good on the ground. He racks up tons of takedowns, but then he can, you know, he gets a little sloppy. The takedowns themselves are like sloppy body locks. They're really muscle more than technique. Kutalaba gets finished in his losses, but that's traditionally to very, very good strikers or very good BJJ guys. He's not really losing to a lot of these just mid-level guys. He's coming off that loss to Kennedy and Chuckle where he had two takedowns before eating a knee in the second. And Kennedy, very, very powerful striker. So that is what it is. And if you remember, they were the co-main that then became the main, which could have messed with them as well. Anyway, I mentioned this line completely flipped. Tanner was a good-sized favorite. He's now full-blown underdog. I was shocked to see it personally. Like Tanner can be taken down, and he's been taken down six times in the UFC if you dig through his fights, but that was at heavyweight. And it's not as if he's clueless on the ground. Even if Jan gets a takedown, eventually the fight's going to be back on his feet where Tanner should have a wild advantage. Tanner has all the power, all the chin, all the athleticism to win this fight. This is going to be another underdog pick for me. A quarter of a unit on Tanner Bozer, and I'm actually probably going to throw more on that because before I started recording this, I saw Tanner Bozer's Instagram, and he looks good. He's got a six-pack. He is. He looks fantastic at light heavyweight. Tanner Bozer is absolutely the pick. Quarter of a unit on him at plus 105. I'm probably going to go ahead and throw a little bit more on that. I'm going to keep an eye on the line movement tracker. If he's continuing the trend as an underdog, I'll wait so that I can get even better value. But if it's starting to bounce back, I don't think it's going to rebound, right? If he flips back to favorite, I don't think it's going to go again. I think if Tanner flips back to favorite, it's because everybody did what I did, saw the research, saw his Instagram. It was like, he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. Even at heavyweight, he had great hands. He's knocking out heavyweights. And Jan Kutalaba has no chin. I don't know what's going on here. So anyway, Tanner Bozer, pick the bet, unlock the line movement tracker and all of our other tools for just $10 a month at wewantpicks.com. It's for a whole month, $10 for a whole month. Even if you have a bad night, let's say UFC 287, you tailed the wrong bets. You didn't tail the safety parlay. You you missed a few. We have three more events. You have three more events for that $10. Wewantpicks.com at the top click, become a member. Then we have Dustin Jacoby, one of my favorite fighters. Dustin Jacoby taking on Azmat Merzakhanov. And Dustin Jacoby is a very high-level kickboxer who at one point was ranked second in the world. He does a great job keeping things technical and working your legs. He's very technically sound with good power and volume. Taking him down might be that pretty obvious path to victory, but it's not a guarantee. Since 2020, he has been taken down a total of 12 times. Nine of them came from Jan Gutelaba, who he just broke down, and he didn't lose any of those fights. He's coming off the controversial loss to Khalil Lowntree, where he landed more strikes, but he had three of his own failed takedown attempts. Asmat Merzakhanov is a pretty small light heavyweight in the division, but even though he's not very big, he's got legit power. He's fast. He's heavy-handed. He is a good wrestler with solid ground and pound, but his hands are so good that he doesn't even need to go to them very often or need to go to the wrestling very often. He has three fights under the UFC umbrella. He has won all of them by knockout. The Tafan Chukwe fight specifically was an interesting win, though, because he was well on his way to losing that fight before sending a beautiful knee for the knockout. And Azmat is stupid dangerous, and that's the only reason I don't have Dustin in the safety parlay because I love Dustin. He's done well for us. Frankly, this fight most likely going to be a kickboxing match. And as I mentioned, Dustin Jacoby is one of the better kickboxers in the division at one point in straight kickboxing. He was ranked second in the world, so he's going to be the better, more technical striker. But Dustin isn't really a power guy. And while we haven't seen him have chin issues, 
Asmat hits so hard that even the sturdy of, sturdiest of chins could have issues. So Dustin's going to be the pick, but I, I'm not going to bet him because he's going to have to point fight his way to a win here. And it's going to be dangerous against a guy like Asmat Mirzakhanov, who we just watched. We just watched him against Stefan Chukwi lose most of the fight and then still pull off a wild knockout for the win. So Dustin Jacoby's the pick. I'm going to avoid the bets because I don't know if he's going to be able to fight perfect for 15 minutes. Then we got Edson Barboza, and he's taking on Billy Quarantillo. Edson Barboza is a great striker with amazing movement. He's fought every single person in the division, and he is a walking highlight reel of knockouts and submissions. He's unbelievably fast and insanely technical. Barboza doesn't initiate many takedowns, but he is very good on the ground, and he has sneaky submissions. He's coming off a loss to Bryce Mitchell, where he had absolutely no answer for the wrestling, but he looked good in his feet, and he did have some success with leg kicks. He's taking on Billy Q, and Billy Q is a very good grappler with solid striking and incredible aggression. His striking's not very technical, but his offense is effective, and he's landing almost eight significant strikes per minute. Ultimately, Billy's got that weird striking style and fantastic BJJ. He only has a 21% takedown accuracy, but he does have 10 takedowns in eight UFC fights. He's coming off that second round knockout win over Alexander Hernandez, and this is a great co-main event, potentially fight of the night. It's either going to be this one or the Nicolau fight. Edson, in all likelihood, is going to be the best fighter that Billy has ever fought. He's definitely going to be the most technical and the most dangerous. I do think Billy gets the win here, but he's going to need to focus on the wrestling because strike for strike, Edson's absolutely going to have the advantage. So, I mean, just look at what Edson Barboza did to Shane Burgos, who, like Billy Q, is a very, very busy striker. Billy Q is going to be the pick here. I'm going to need him to wrestle so that Edson isn't comfortable striking because if you let Edson settle into a striking pace, you're going to have a very long night. Billy Q is the pick. No bet just yet. Edson Barboza, super, super live. Then we have the main event of the evening, a very interesting main event. We have old school Max Holloway taking on new school Arnold Allen. And Max Holloway is an amazing striker. He's very fluid, and that keeps his volume and his pressure up. He has the most impressive striking differential on this card and on every card he's ever on of 7-4, to four, and he couples that with an 84% takedown defense and an entire career worth of titles and title defenses. He has only lost three times in the last 10 years. Only three losses in the last 10 years. And it was only to two people. He lost to Volkanovski twice, and then he went up in weight and lost to Dustin Poirier there. Arnold Allen is a very good striker who likes coming forward. He has an upright stance, which really helps protect him when he's outside of range. But when he comes lunging in with solid power, he can do some real, real damage. He has nice footwork and solid hand speed. He mixes in takedowns really well and has a few sneaky submissions of his own, like we saw in his UFC debut. He has 10 wins in the UFC. They all flew under the radar because of his inactivity, but he did earn himself this main event slot over the destruction of Dan Hooker. Then he beat Calvin Qatar, but don't forget, that was like a random leg injury. You're going to see the stoppage win for Arnold Allen over Calvin Qatar, but there is a leg injury in that. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't a true TKO. Great main event. Right after the great co-main event. And it's a tricky fight to pick because Max is sitting at a healthy favorite. He's a minus 180 favorite here. But 
This fight feels a lot closer than that. Both guys are phenomenal strikers. I think Arnold's probably going to be faster, and he's probably going to have more raw power, but Max has the volume, the experience, certainly has the size advantage, and Max is only 31. We keep thinking he's like 48. He's only 31 years old, but he has been through some absolute wars, and eventually... Those are going to catch up to him. He took some real damage in that Yair Rodriguez fight. He has absorbed 500 significant strikes in his last five fights. At some point, Max Holloway is going to look old as hell and his chin is going to give out. But until then, I got to keep riding this train. His volume's incredible. There's not a single thing he has not seen in the cage. There's not a single thing Arnold Allen can do that Max Holloway hasn't already seen. His last two losses are to the best featherweight of all time who almost just beat the lightweight champion. I got to go Max Holloway here. No bets. I haven't bet the last few main events. And I got to be honest, it's it pretty enjoyable. It's, it's just nice to watch a fight and not have to worry about, especially the main event. You're there for that. To not have a bet on that is honestly, sometimes it's just a nice relief. Max Holloway is absolutely gonna be the pick here and i'm really really looking forward to this fight guys don't forget premium membership has a new look and feel we've got 2,000 premium members i probably got a couple of hundred messages on friday and saturday saying where are the bets i don't see the bets where are the bets it has a new look and feel when you log in now you're gonna see all of the old stuff you're gonna see tools under there you're gonna get all the analytics all the data the the uh, trackers all of that is gonna be on the tools under Prop Fantasy and Fantasy, you're going to see everything under there, including the optimizer, including all of that information. And then you're going to see analysts. I have my own page. Jacob has his own page. My bets, my safety parlay. All of my stuff is going to be on my page. Jacob's stuff is going to be on his. The reason we separated our stuff out is that opens the door to bring on new analysts, more analyst and we have one we're rolling out this week he's going to give you pfl bellator and a bunch of other stuff and the ten dollar price point is staying exactly where it is we're just adding more and keeping the price exactly where it is don't forget it's not just copy paste picks copy paste bets there's so many tools you can ignore every single bet we have ever put on the website and still have it be the greatest value in sports right now. You're going to get the line movement tracker. You're going to get the detailed data and metrics. You're going to get the calculators. You're going to get all of that information. You can dig in. You can dive in. You can work through the data. You can work through the analytics. Find your spots. Make your picks. Use our fantasy cheat sheet, the DraftKings optimizer, all that stuff for only $10 a month. A month. That's four events. $10 a month. We own picks.com at the top. Click become a member. And if you want 50 bucks, I'll send you 50. We pay out many, many people a week. $50. All you need to do is go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Use my link to sign up with any of our affiliate sportsbook partners. Make a deposit and I will send you 50 bucks as a thank you.